0: you said, by the way, Paul, that alongside show and tell outside, you might have snuck in a couple of plants. Um, I did, yeah, yeah.
1: You want me to share oh, my? W- screen? We always want
0: as many plants as humanly possible in these podcasts. So if you've got some okay. extras,
1: this is the little blurb I was going to show you guys about, uh, which has lots of goofy pictures of Kent and I that you know look like this, <laughs> like from the <laughs> one, right when we first it's met. A serious um,
2: person, you're ruining my persona, Paul. Yeah,
1: there's the there's the other end of that, that was that was, I was this drinking beer boy.
2: That's a rare event.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that never so happens. That is uh, that is um, that is uh, twelve years between those two pictures. Uh, anyway, uh, um, I was going to show you. I was going to show you this plant. So, arrioganums. Uh, Kenton mentioned arrioganums. They're dry land plants um, from predominantly western North America. Three hundred and fifty some species.
3: So, yes,
1: lots and lots, and lots. some get tall. Some some stay short, um, and I have lots of favorites, but this one is my all-time favorite, partly because it grows nearby to here. It's native to the very west of North America. Areogonum ovalifolium. These are alpine buckwheats. Uh, This is another 12-month plant. When it's not blooming, it's evergreen or ever gray, as you could say, right through the whole winter. And um, just an absolutely gorgeous thing. Uh, And then, I guess a bit of a repeat, repeat, but it's at least blooming now. Um, This is uh, what I showed you. In fact, it's the same plants that I just went outside and showed you, Macanthalimon trojanum uh from uh from the rock garden but this time in full bloom so you can see how choice this plant is especially when planted in multiples um you get that really natural effect with the flowers right on the foliage so i cannot uh,
0: tell you how extreme my flomo is right now <laughs> <laughs> uh
1: and so this is again another there's, great only one cure. <laughs> there's only one cure that's true so that's just a couple plants i threw on there but i I don't know, Kenton, if you want to make a mention of, of these babies.
2: Oh, yeah. This, these are my flomo, actually, because these things bloom like the whole month of April. But if I miss the first ones or some of the coolest ones blooming in the garden, I'm real sad. And they <laughs> open in the afternoon, too. So if I have to work in the afternoon, I'm real bummed out. But the Eleanopsis hybrids, we, uh, we're riding these hard. They're so fun. Um, speaking of promiscuous, like Eleanopsis, that genus, and some of those related ones, like Monantis, Technopsis. Delanthi, they all cross with each other. They're all from South Africa. They obviously are relatives of the ice plant. Um, but it seems, Paul and I, uh, you know, in our travels, we found it seems that a crevice garden is what unlocks being able to grow them in winter wet climates. Because ironically, they're from actually a winter rainfall area in South Africa, but it's just not that much rain. Oh, but they're great. They need the sun to open, but when they do, you get this. And they come in almost any color but blue and especially with them crossing with each other you get ones with stripes or multicolors um, and they're super easy from seed like they just come up no pretreatment necessary they they've been grown as windowsill plants actually in europe and the uk for a really long time i think we should and look at them they,
3: their they their look the flowers look very similar to della sperma. again south
2: african yep yeah, all same mesem the benzon family Isoaceae. yeah
3: mesembranthum yeah,
2: that's a, yeah it's that family
1: they're uh, they're they're juicy. I love
2: those things. <laughs> just have
3: to look at the,
1: just look at the foliage of that of that plant too, though. Isn't it just mm. incredible? Uh, it looks like a little rock itself. And in fact, I believe one of the common names for this is the hardy living stone. Mm-hmm. Um, is that right? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, because uh, some of them mimic rocks to avoid getting eaten.
2: Yeah, yeah. it looks
0: like its own little crevice garden.
1: It does, doesn't it? Yeah, plants nice, growing in the, nice. They can have their own plants growing in there. <laughs>
2: to be fair, like this this is a taprooted thing. What I love about it is you can take cuttings. You could accidentally break the taproot when you plant it, and it doesn't care. Um, and it, to be fair, it doesn't need a crevice garden, but it looks really good in a crevice garden. Well, it doesn't need one for me. Um, in the UK, actually, and on the west coast of the U.S., um, where it's wetter, it needs a crevice garden, actually.
1: Um, yeah, it needs I'm that
2: really drainage. Cool. That was our excuse to put so many pictures of them in the book.
1: So here's uh, a okay. here's another one for you, Kenton. Just throwing you little curveballs mm. here. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. yeah. So the echinasterias you saw in my front yard,
2: Western North American, down to uh, down into Mexico. There's a lot of species in Mexico too, but they range in colors and they cross with each other, which makes them fun in the garden. Some have these huge flowers that are fragrant, yellows and purples. The reds are my favorite. That's what's local here when we go hiking. Um, Actually, you know, the the desert garden, Alan, where where you're at, I'd be curious to see how much it approximates where I live. Like, that's where we were hiking yesterday, is in these arroyos that are dry most of the time. We
3: grow Apuntias and Trichocereus.
2: Nice. Really nice. Well, perhaps in a dry enough place. Or if you can squeeze a crevice garden into that garden, you could do some Akinocereus, maybe. And actually, um, our our friend um, uh, Jeremy at uh, Plant Delights Nursery on the east coast of the U.S., they built a probably the world's largest crevice garden out of broken concrete. And they're growing all these Mexican species of Echinocereus and their climate is wet. In fact, it's humid in the summer. So I, I wonder if some of those Mexican species would do well in the UK if they were in a crevice. Year,
3: garden.
2: Yeah. You know, I, I really think it's, I mean, and Cumbleton, you know, he grew these outside in the UK. I, I think under he put glass covers on them most of the time, but I got to point out, that, like an alpine plant, most cycnoeces are cushions. They're buns. Now you wouldn't want to touch them and pet them, uh, like the the aranarias or something.
3: When you said they were scented, I thought, well, I wouldn't want to put my nose in there.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and when it's when it's big and soft and purple and and and, and like silk, you'll stuff your nose. Well, actually, you don't have to. You can smell it from a distance. They're that yeah. strong, so. Yeah, but I love these guys. They're they're a bunch of fun. They're they're worth the wait. And uh, and they love to bloom when I'm gone. That's usually what they do in <laughs> April. You know, like, wait till there's a work trip and then they all go yeah. off. Yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: that is what gardening is. Like, your plants uh, control you. Like, they just wait until you're going. And then they're like, here we are.
1: <laughs> yeah, that happened a lot this spring. I, I I keep looking at my garden, seeing these seed heads and thinking, I don't remember seeing the bloom on that this year, and then yeah, I thought, oh yeah, it was hardly home this year. <laughs> sorry right. Paul and I were on the book tour. That yeah, it happened to me a lot too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right in the middle of spring, yeah. right when the gardens in peak bloom, we have to leave it. So yeah, <laughs> the irony, huh? <laughs> yeah.
0: Was that was that it of your um your screen shared photos?
1: That's all I threw on there, yeah. Just uh, just four drought, droughty plants for uh, two different climates and um, quite quite perfect crevice garden plants.
0: And, and the first time we've screen-shared on Talking Dirty. Look at that, 95 mm. episodes.
2: Wow. <laughs> first time for everything
0: thank you for the the slideshow it was um, it was amazing and has given me serious yeah. flomo um for anyone who is joining <laughs> us for the first time flomo is how i live my life it's this fear of missing out i get about flowers plants trees actually i was um, visiting a garden in cambridge earlier where i've just seen so many trees i want to grow and i have a tiny suburban garden so it's it's you know it's, they're not all going to be happening for sure but there is there is a lot of flomo from your book and I'm lucky because actually one of these I looked up and we have an alpine specialist who we featured on the podcast called Darcy and Everest, who are based really close to me. And uh, they had one in stock. So hopefully <laughs> I might actually nice. be able to, to order this. <laughs> but my first one was Mulkia petrea which I think you aptly described as the heartthrob of gardeners. Who would like to describe <laughs> this plant? <laughs>
1: kenton you want to do that
2: one good i don't know we, we this is a plant we both love and grow it's a it's mm-hmm. a Dorage, so it's related to comfrey and these things but it um it really behaves like a daphne or maybe even like a lavender if that's fair and it's mediterranean it's from the balkans so it's a little sub shrub thing not quite evergreen is it um you know it's kind um, of
1: yes
2: it's a is it slightly woody it's slightly woody isn't it its is woody oh um, it's woody yeah yeah for sure. but you know it's yeah, it's a little gray thing, and then it blooms, and it blooms for a long time because it's a borage. And they, you know, they do that thing that like the scorpion tail unfurls, and it just keeps cranking out flowers, and it's blue, like it's yeah, really blue. The... And just to show off how blue it is, the the buds are kind of pink. Is it the bud poll or is it the old flower one of the one of the ages <laughs> of flower is a slightly different color, just to point out yeah. how blue the actual flower is. <laughs> it's so good, and that one's a little tricky to get a hold of. And get seed mm-hmm. a little slow to grow from seed i think you were growing it from cuttings were you,
1: I, I grow i grow from cuttings yeah yeah wintertime yeah, nice. with, bottom, with bottom heat yeah but it's a great plant it makes it's a, it it grows into a dome-shaped plant which is perfect uh for for our our applications um and again when it's and when it's when it's blooming it's just covered in flowers you know you hardly see even the, the gray foliage it's just a big blue gorgeous borage thing it's just a gorgeous thing so that's uh is that when you're is that when you're looking for, Thordis? That
0: that was when I went through the book and there were lots of things, but I, I love blue. And I now you said it's that kind of borage relative. I'm I'm a sucker for anything like that as well. So I can see why I was drawn right. to it. I also love ferns though, and I did think the Asplenium seterac. Oh yeah. The um the rusty back fern, the little dinky mm-hmm. um resurrection fern, I think you described it as. Uh that's right. Yeah. That was yeah. so cute. And aren't attractive. they
1: cute? <laughs> I know. And that's a European fern, as far as I can tell. Um, and it's one that I have never seen in a garden in North America. And then when we went to Europe, it was in almost every garden, <laughs> right? <laughs> At least in the Czech Republic and, and in the UK, where I saw it in the UK. So it's it's one that I actually have yet to get my hands on. And I assume we both have yet to get our hands on it. Um, but it's a beautiful little one. It's recently been changed to a splenium. It was called Ceterac officinorum uh, up until recently. Uh, but now it's a spleen wart. So just to set the record straight on that one. Um, it's, a, it's a great little fern, though, and it's one that I would say that I experienced flomo from. <laughs>
0: <laughs> there we go. I'm in good company. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, shall we go straight to your flomo, Paul? What are you? I mean, apart from that, Asplenium, which you're welcome to yeah. share. <laughs> oh, I wish
1: I could show you a picture of my flomo plants because obviously being flomo, they're ex- exceptionally gorgeous. Um, but my first one... And it's not flomo because I can't grow it. I'm pretty sure I could. It's just that I have not succeeded in growing it yet. Would be helichrysum milfordii. Um, the helichrysums, oh. of course, are the straw flowers, right? And when we think of straw flowers, we think of these dried flower arrangement, tall paper things that you know they they come out blue and pink and red, and they never change. Um, this one's quite different. It's a it's a bun forming, of course, uh, rosette forming. Uh, Plant just hugs the rocks. It's from South Africa. And then, of course, it has its little straw flower, kind of daisy like. It's, you know, it's in the aster family. So, um, just a tiny little, but so gorgeous white flower. And then it's red underneath. And so when it closes, you see the, the buds look red. And then it opens in the daytime. This is
2: horrible. We need a picture. This hurts. <laughs> I, I <laughs> know. I know. We yeah, really like, do. Uh,
3: yeah. Like, on page 60, there's a very good illustration of it. <laughs> okay, yeah, there you yeah. go. Hel- yeah, yeah. I, I add oh, pictures dude. to
0: the podcast, so the video viewers oh, are going to be lucky good. to so, get to see so it. So
2: we're <laughs> going to talk about ice cream, but they actually get to eat ice cream. Yeah. That's good.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. But so you did a good job Helich- of describing it, Paul. That, that. Thank you. Yeah. That sounds absolutely <laughs> nah. wonderful. I love a helichrysum yeah, in its normal state. So that mm-hmm. one, mm-hmm. little helichrysum mm-hmm. bun, yeah, yum. Yeah,
2: it's pretty amazing. <laughs> Is, is phlomothortis, is it the plant that you, you don't have, that you desire, well, is it your you know, desiderata or, or very is it- very
0: loose term. So it's it's often something I've not grown, but it can be something like I've grown before and want to grow, something I can't grow because mm. I don't have the right conditions for it. It's um, It encompasses a whole range of similar feelings where you just want to plant. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. That's a dangerous thing to ask rock gardeners because when you say, <laughs> list one plant you really love and want to grow, They'll have to, you know, whittle it down from a list of fifty. Well,
0: you, you, know, can, you a can start have like that's, that's what rock gardening. Four, about. five, six. Like we're, we're not stingy <laughs> no. on talking dirty.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think um, you know, it, I I've realized lately I'm in sort of an era of my gardening where I'm really embracing just easy plants to grow. Because as a rock gardener, spent almost a good decade trying the most difficult stuff and <laughs> finally managing to grow like Dionysias outside and these like really difficult things. And then some of them just don't live that long if you do manage to keep them alive. And it's even more frustrating when you you grow it and you bloom it, but you don't get seeds. And then you, you, you're you like, oh man, I'm a dead end to this plant. And there's all this guilt and stuff. So I've been in the last couple of years, I think I've really been trying to find like easy plants, just like satisfying, easy plants. So um, I know sometime soon I will dive back into the Dionysias and the wacky, tricky stuff. Ferns are really hard, you know, for us, like rock ferns, but or lip ferns, but I think just simple things. I just like drool about. I know this is really common in rock gardens, but bolax or isarela, like a good old or the, the what's the Spanish name yareta, just a good old plastic plant. You know those really mossy, plasticky, green, lime green. Maybe it's because I live in the desert, you know, and I'm always like wanting what I don't have. But just a good old bolax would be nice. I have one dinky plant that like ekes through the summer here. I <laughs> would sure love to have more of it you know and and the same with like Selenia collis we can go hiking here and get up way above treeline and go hit our, our mountain peaks and it's all over the mountain peaks but down um in the hot desert valley where i live i can't grow it so i just i just drool about it and um, <laughs> don't do much more about it i think, think we
0: should redefine flomo as the plant you drool over
2: yeah ah, there you go <laughs> drool worthy plants which, which yeah. means it's not a plant you have, you can just easily mm. satisfy that, <laughs> that desire for,
3: yeah. yeah.
0: Alan, where are you at with your
3: Flomo this week? <clears throat> My head is spinning. <laughs> but I, I I'm in the Echinocereus, um, I uh, can't say it,
2: Trigioidatis. it took a decade for me to look at it.
3: Triglochitiatus.
2: You know, you know what's great about that? Then they changed the name, you know, a new one.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, it's interesting to know that you consider um, those that come from Mexico to be a possibility that we could grow over here. Um, so that's something that I want to in uh, investigate. Glant De Nurs- De Delights Nursery, I haven't bought from them, but they send me regular updates um, and uh, which is very tempting. And I know people that have bought from them, from them in England but the problem mm-hmm. seems to be as far as everything comes from the USA, tip top, well, wonderfully packed. Everything else is done beautifully until it hits our shores and it gets to our customs houses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then yeah, they yeah. kind of sit on it and they don't deal with it. And, um, it, you know, you could end up with a box of silage, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Not yeah,
3: it's not an not expensive
0: uncommon. box of silage. Yeah. yeah,
2: you know, you know, old Paul Cumbleton really had. I think he had an kind of Serious kick. I mean, he's if God made it, Paul probably grew it, yeah. you know. <laughs> but like, I know, I think he might be one to ask. Perhaps there's already seed in the UK, actually. You know, What's
3: his name?
2: Uh, Paul Cumbleton, he was the uh, alpine curator at Wisley for a very long time um we featured him in the book just because he exemplified you know crevice gardening what you can do yeah. but i wonder you know and and you have some great um you know cactus collectors over there <laughs> already on your side of that shore you know <laughs> maybe you know
0: and great societies as well i yeah, think at least um, um, at least one of you if not both of you are members of things like this. Is it the scottish alpine um society there's the alp obviously the alpine society i mean there are great alpine groups for people who want to kind of meet like-minded people and maybe share some plants and seed and stuff
3: i think i think the alpine societies are great for for people who want to have um something slightly unusual because in one of those societies there's bound to be a guy or a girl who's good at propagating something that's Probably rare and difficult, and all the rest of it. And you can you can swap, or you know, beg, borrow, steal, steal preferably. Um, exactly, <laughs> exactly. It's,
1: it's it's hard to be an island when you're a rock gardener. Um, you really need that community. Um, for those very reasons. Um, yeah. for for mentoring, for sharing, for learning. Um, you know, this is why when Zoom happened, the meetings weren't as exciting because we couldn't get together and bring our plants and show our plants and share our plants, right? But yeah, community is very important in rock gardening because there's just not as many of us no. out there. <laughs> right? Oh, exactly. And
2: we should mention yeah. that all the Alpine Garden Societies, maybe safely say all the national ones, have seed exchanges, you know, and many of them have several, like two, 3,000 taxa on their list and they publish a list every year. It's, and that's all people's seeds they pulled out of their gardens, which is amazing. We're getting to that season now, I think where Paul and I are gonna be pulling rock garden seed out and sending it to NARGS or SRGC or AGS. And those are essential sources yeah. i mean man you get to talk about dizzy <laughs> you know reading through just that list like three thousand plants that's 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 more than one night uh, yeah you know, <laughs> reading material just skimming through there yeah but surely at least
1: it's um yeah. at least it's easier now with the internet you can just google the plant but i remember 20 years ago with the seed exchanges you'd be sitting there with a stack of books this high next to you <laughs> <laughs> looking at all these Latin names you've never seen before and looking up every single yeah. one and it's a great learning experiences for sure yeah. the internet's made it a lot easier <laughs> right? yeah sure
2: has mm-hmm.
0: uh, well you know what with the mountaineering and the propagating and the extremely mm-hmm. long seed list to go through you really don't have
3: any mm-hmm. spare time not really
2: <laughs> <laughs> stay, stay busy in winter
3: one yeah. good thing on yeah. your side I think is that the seems to be a resurgence in, not crevice gardening, rock gardening in England. Um, and there's, I mean, there's three good gardens that have good rock gardens. One is the RHS Rosemore in Devon. Um, they have this wonderful sort of rocky landscape with water coming through it all the time. And, you know, ferns that I grow here are three foot tall. Down in Devon, they're six feet tall. Is um, that right? <laughs> yeah. Is that, yeah, Is that different. Um, Chatsworth House in Derbyshire, which is really not house, it's a palace.
2: Um, right. <laughs> they, are,
3: they are in the process of restoring their garden, as is Arley Hall in um, Yorkshire. And Excellent. And this is because rock gardens lost popularity, but it's coming back. That's right. I agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, agree. I agree. Smaller gardens, you know, they can grow more plants in a smaller space and mm-hmm. they're them.
1: Exactly. There's lots yeah. of reasons to get back into rock gardening in this modern day right space is just one change. of them <laughs> yeah. climate change um, yeah. uh, another one is time people have less time these days um, cool. you know just trying to just trying to survive and so rock gardening you know especially once the garden's built uh, tends to be a lot less labor intensive to kind of keep it up or you can turn your back on it for longer if you need to mm-hmm. and go on holiday and stuff like that right so yeah um i we're hoping that uh, the book in some way will help to spot, to, to spur on that resurgence uh, just because crevice gardening seems to be a catchword these days amongst rock gardening circles and like everybody knows about crevice gardens. So it's kind of like the popular new thing to do.
2: <laughs> yeah, it sure is changing. I definitely don't think it's going to be exactly the way it used to be, you know? No, because well, there's been yeah, a lot of discussion it about it this. It used to be a few you know?
3: chunks of broken paving stones, which they call crazy paving. <laughs> uh-huh. And you know, yeah. how, you, how you started off, you know? So yeah, I think it's um it's it's gone from a jumble of broken stones to art. Yeah. That's
1: right. That's right. Yeah, very much yeah, so it's, it's, uh, past years. I love to
2: overuse the word. It's gone postmodern. It's gone all these different directions. We even there's a picture in the book, but probably one of the most wacky innovative things we learned about was a styrofoam crevice garden because it's on a roof and it wasn't to mm-hmm. grow alpine plants as much as um tall grass prairie plants which you usually couldn't grow in a roof garden, right? That's, you know, that was a problem before, but mm. making a styrofoam crevice, like who, who would I have How they fix
3: styrofoam? <laughs> Wouldn't it blow off?
2: <laughs> um, no, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's pinned together, it's locked together. And my guess is it's UV stabilized so that the sun doesn't break it down. But it's uh. a Peter Korn thing um, over there in Sweden. But Peter you know,
0: Korn of the sand gardens.
2: Yeah, the sand guy. So you know, it's like, I I think this is only the beginning of what we've seen, like broken concrete might've been like the old nasty thing, but we've now seen some beautiful things done with broken concrete because they don't have rock in some places on earth to be fair, you know? And and then there's also that ecological side of it and the the climate change side is, you know, what do we do with these big heaps of concrete, which, um, you know, the statistics on on the um, carbon emissions for making concrete is like staggering. So, you know, turning that junk into uh, a garden is wonderful you know, there's, it's truly gone postmodern. I love just watching that right now. It's, it's crazy. It's nuts. It's not not your grandma's rock garden anymore. I
3: mean, talk, talk <laughs> about, talking about materials, um, for instance, I mean, I'm seeing people doing something similar with logs. They're mm-hmm. using wooden nice. logs. I mean, the whole thing gradually nice. just degenerates because, you know, it, it yep. rocks. Um, invertebrates and goodness knows what eat it, use it, live on it. Fungi live on it. And it's just uh, uh, another way of using Kind of crevice gardening, I guess. That's great. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: There's, there's plants that specialize on that. A lot of those ferns we're talking about specialize yeah, on ferns, rotting ferns, logs. Ferns, ferns. Or pleonis, sure. like, yeah.
3: Just inside, just inside the entrance to my garden, there's a pile of logs. And we deliberately left the logs. And they have, over time, sort of become this crumbly dark brown stuff with ferns in them. That, I mean, the, the spores of ferns have just come in. I didn't put them in there. But, you wow. know, it's it just something that happens. Paul, that might
2: be a challenge we should put forward as... Someone build mm-hmm. the first wooden crevice garden. No kidding. Yeah. I dare you. Never say never. Yeah. That's, that's, that's when it'll Depends happen. It's
3: been dumb, we did it first. Oh, you yeah. did it first. Oh,
2: never mind. Go, go never write a mind. book
3: about
2: it. <laughs> yeah, nice.
0: Well, what yeah. I love is this is a really exciting time. People are, I'm sure, going to want to try this. And you've got a book with 250 plants to inspire them. Um, so mm. thank you. For, it must have been a lot of work putting this together. So thank you very much for the hours that you clearly spent. Mm researching it and all these beautiful photographs and all this really useful info we are indebted to you for your labors
2: it's our pleasure <laughs> wouldn't, wouldn't mean anything if it didn't get read so thank you so much
0: well mm-hmm. go, go out and read it the crevice garden how to make the perfect home for plants from rocky places and no, just remember
3: everybody just remember everybody christmas is not that far away it's a great present <laughs> <laughs>
0: and know that the people behind it have their own fabulous crevice garden so they definitely know <laughs> what they're talking about you saw it mm. here on Talking Dirty guys <laughs> I'm so glad we managed to make this work it wasn't the easiest thing to set up because four people who were busy in <laughs> different time zones was not yeah. not easy but it was so worthwhile well well so <laughs>
1: yeah, pleasure.
0: So thank nice everybody. <laughs> you both. happy gardening everybody okay. happy, gardening. Yeah. happy gardening happy gardening all the best Hey, Fordyce here. Just to say thank you so much for listening to Talking Dirty. You are now officially our favourite person. If you really liked it, please do subscribe because we'll be back for more plant-loving mayhem next week. And as you're our new favourite person, we don't want you to miss out. If you've got a question for Alan and the experts, you can email it to hello at getgardeningnow.co.uk. So happy gardening. And we'll see you, oh favourite person, next time.